Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Melinda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. NBC News Radio, I'm Cameron Fairchild. House Democrats plan to introduce a privileged resolution Monday, which will charge President Trump with inciting sedition. New York Congressman Hakeem Jeffries says doing so would allow the House to move quickly on considering impeaching the president for a second time. South Carolina Congressman James Clyburn tells CNN's State of the Union House Speaker Nancy Pelosi could have a delay in sending the impeachment matter to the Senate. She will make the determination as when is the best time to get that uh, vote and get the managers appointed and move that legislation uh, over to the Senate. Senator Joe Manchin voices support for taking legal action following the violence at the U.S. Capitol. The judicial path can be the one that can give us the best results to stop this type of silliness within politics, this dangerous, insidious type of speech that you have. Manchin says moving forward with impeachment now would make things more difficult for the incoming administration. Senator Pat Toomey calls for President Trump to resign. It's um, the best path forward, the best way to get this person in the rearview mirror. The Pennsylvania Republican tells CNN's State of the Union he does not believe the president will resign. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan expressing dismay at his fellow Republicans following the violence at the Capitol. Quite frankly, as a lifelong Republican who was a chairman of Youth for Reagan, who's dedicated my life to the Republican Party, I'm embarrassed and ashamed of some of the members of Congress. On CNN's State of the Union, Hogan said many people did not make the right decisions about the future of the Republican Party following the election. I'm Cameron Fairchild. NBC News Radio. I always hear from our clients who hired another firm that they wish they'd hired DNA Financial first. Don't have regrets about your IRS tax case. Just hire the best in the first place. One owed $150,000 to the IRS and had spent thousands on another firm. We stopped the levies, negotiated a payment plan, and had their penalties forgiven. And while every case is different, we guarantee that we'll find your perfect resolution and get it done right. For a free consultation, call us at 866-201-0156. That's 866-201-0156. Then you can say, DNA DNA did did right right by me. me. Hmm. Southern California Edison has helpful info for emergency preparedness. Since the kids are older, we need to update our family plan again. You're right. 
and let's review it with them so they know what to do. They should know our evacuation plan, meeting place. What to do in a power outage and where the safety kit is. Good thinking. We can write down important phone numbers and put them in the kit. You think of everything. No, I just went to sce.com slash be prepared. A little preparation goes a long way. With 60 years of fascinating facts, this is the man from yesterday. And back in time to this time in 1975, looks like Frankie Valley is back with revised Four Seasons. They just scored with a top five single a few weeks ago called Loves You, and are about to release another single called December 63, Oh What a Night. And from this time in 1957, Art Carney says he will terminate his role on the CBS TV Jackie Gleason variety show at the end of this season, 1957. Art Carney wants to do other things, but he'll reprise his role as Ed Norton sometime in the 1960s. You work in a sewer. What possible business could you conduct? Could you possibly write off in your apartment? I practice in a bathtub. And from this time in 1971, ABC TV debuts The Smith Family, starring Henry Fonda as a cop. Henry Fonda is the latest vet movie star jumping to the small screen. He can also be seen as spokesperson for the Talking Viewmaster on TV commercials. The GAF Talking Viewmaster's fun. It'll keep your kids quiet for hours. <laughs> With more at manfromyesterday.com. If you're looking for a full or part-time sales position and you have radio, TV, or print media experience, KCAA has a great opportunity waiting for you that pays the highest commissions in the market. KCAA is the only station in the IE that broadcasts on three frequencies, so advertisers receive three ads for one low rate. This makes KCAA a must-buy for every local business. If you're interested in a sales position with us, email CEO at KCAARadio.com. It's time to make the Tri-City Center in Redlands a regular part of your weekly shopping experience. Tri-City is home to a wide assortment of quality businesses, including the all-new Ocean Aquatics. Check out their variety of exotic tropical fish, along with fish food, accessories, and tanks of all shapes and sizes. The Tri-City Center is located just off of Alabama and the Tennessee exits in Redlands. Visit the Tri-City Center today and find out why it's called the Mall with a Heart. Here's Replete Vegan Skincare founder, Elizabeth Thoreau. Investing in your beauty is investing in quality of your life. The secret is in Replete Spring Serum Complex. It puts elasticity back in your jawline contour for completely remodeling the effects of winter. It improves firmness. It gets rid of sagging and wrinkles. And it puts the smoothness, radiance, and freshness you want in a spring day. RepleteSkinCare.com for your skin to look and feel its best. The information economy has arrived. The world is teeming with innovation as new business models reinvent every industry. Every industry. Inside Analysis is your source of information and insight about how to make the most of this exciting new era. Learn more at InsideAnalysis.com. InsideAnalysis.com. And now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, welcome to The Future is Right. I'll tell you what, the future has been hurtling towards us for ages now, and uh, it's now here. It's upon us. That's one of my favorite quotes by William Gibson, a so-called futurist. He said, the future is here already. It's just not evenly distributed, at least not yet. But that's in the process right now. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest factors that is, frankly, normalizing so many aspects of business in a new way, so it's a new normal, if you will, is the cloud. And uh, just at that moment, as I was thinking about that, I had a flashback to my Italian teacher, Marina Beral, from Italy, years and years and years ago, like about 30-odd years ago, in fact. Uh, I was studying Italian in Italy, and she was teaching the class about the history, a little bit of the country, and she talked about Garibaldi, and Garibaldi is a rather notorious character in the history of Italy 
but um, he's largely credited with uniting southern and northern Italy, which used to be very, very different. They still are different, but now, now they're part of the same country. But then she joked that really what united Italy eventually was something called the television. <laughs> when TV came out and became popular, it really standardized the language. And that was one of the keys because hitherto you had these stark dialects from one region to the next. It could be difficult for someone from Venice to understand someone from Naples, for example, just because they had such strong dialects. Well, now, of course, we have TVs everywhere, but we have the Internet. And in many ways, the Internet in its language is, again, sort of standardizing how we all interact and how we do business. And that's really the key. But we're still in an age of tremendous innovation. There are lots of players these days. Uh, I'm never not amazed at the fact that Amazon got what amounts to a 10-year head start on the rest of the industry in terms of cloud. Granted, lots of folks had cloud offerings, but no one had really taken it seriously until Amazon threw down the gauntlet, I don't know, around 2007 timeframe maybe. We can look up the, the numbers and get some details, but we'll talk about that today with our special guest, Sarvjeet Joe Hall. He's quite the mover and shaker in Silicon Valley. He's worked for a lot of these big tech companies over the years, companies like Oracle, for example, and several others. And now he's a consultant. He works with a number of different com companies, helping them work on their strategy, but also how they consume a cloud. So we'll talk to Sarvjeet today about what cloud native is, what it means, why it's important, and what's going on out there. So with that, uh, let's welcome our guest, Sarvjeet Johal. Welcome to Inside Analysis. Tell us a bit about uh, yourself and what you're working on with cloud these days. Thanks, Eric. Uh, glad to be here. Um, yeah, I have been doing tech for the last 25 years. For the last about 12, 12, 11, 12 years, I've been doing cloud since I joined VMware and then Rackspace, um, and then after that, Oracle Cloud. Um, and then I'm independent for for the last uh, couple of years. Um, I, I work with technology providers for doing their go-to-market strategy, product strategy, um, what services need to be cooked and who to partner with, partnership and alliances um, strategy also. Uh, and also on the other side, on the consumption side, I work with a few companies on like how to consume cloud. And I write about it. I talk about it. I mostly talk about it, actually. I, I, I kind of suck at writing long form. I'm getting into doing podcasts, which are long form, like an hour to 90 minutes talks on these topics and stuff like that. So I, I'm enjoying that. So that's what I do. That's I just live and breathe technology and yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Well, I'm glad that uh, you mentioned VMware because you reminded me of something. So as we think about, and from a layman's perspective, this concept of cloud native, what does that mean? It gets, it's a term that gets thrown out all over the place these days. And my layman's description would be that if you are an organization that embraces cloud native, what you've done is set yourself up to where you can leverage whichever cloud functionality comes available without any significant disruption to your infrastructure, to your sort of IT landscape, if you will. And that's a big deal because the cloud has a whole different orchestration model as opposed to on-prem data centers, for example. You're up in the cloud. You're not within one discrete area in your own data center. So to a certain extent, you lose control. But by the same token, you gain a lot more control by having these professional providers like Google, like Amazon, like Microsoft handle a lot of that stuff for you. So they've abstracted away a lot of the difficulty, certainly the infrastructure stuff, they've, they've extracted a lot of that away. But if you go back in time, and as we maybe explain this through the layers of evolution, well, VMware came along a while back and virtualized the desktop, virtualized computing in large organizations as a way to optimize the usage of the assets, right, of the CPU power. And I think that was the primary thing, but storage, et cetera, so a VMware instance can spin up and you throw a bunch of stuff in there. How would you describe the difference between today's cloud native and what VMware did initially? Yeah, I remember um, 2001 sitting at Commerce on headquarters, uh, 2000 actually, around uh, one of our, our um, testing QA engineers, like our, we were doing a lot of, auto, a lot of automation in the QA area. And 
he came to us and it's like hey i i'm going to do this over on on top of vmware we're going to it's it quick turnaround we're going to like, throw away those vms and start from scratch with the images and all that stuff so, you know like it's it's easy to manage the lab environments and the qa sort of environments and stuff like that so the vmware is more than 20 years old technology right so they started doing virtualization on the compute side right so like the whole idea i i always talk about it like we we are in the business of miniaturization right mm-hmm. on the hardware side we are doing that like supercomputer is turned into this smartphone right now right and it's very powerful compute device and then computing computing device and a lot of storage and all the stuff but on the software side we are also doing miniaturization. So virtualization is that that sort of segment, I call it, right? So we we had had a server, physical server. We had one-on-one sort of physical server to OS map, mappings, but VMware said, okay, you can put like 20 VMs, 20 OSs on one physical server, right? So abstraction. I always call it abstraction is our friend in software. <laughs> Actually, every, everywhere in, in real life, abstraction makes us the smartest species on in the world, humans, <laughs> right? So we, we can create new stuff um, by abstracting, you know, the complexity away from from other things, right? So, um, so gradually we have moved from having the virtual machines uh, to the, the next thing, what we biggest, next biggest thing was, uh, the containers, right? So now forget about even the OS on the VM. We don't even need the OS. You go to the container level. Within the OS, you have the separation, partitions, if you will, right? So, so again, miniaturization. We're trying to um, get most juice from these, you know, hardware assets, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next one after that is serverless. So so whole this whole notion of, um, cloud native actually, let's talk with the term. Cloud native term actually came into existence. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since um, uh, um, a while back, um, there was a um, blog post written by somebody, I don't forgot the name, Pets versus Cattle, right? Uh, almost every, everybody who does cloud knows that about that thing, right? like how we treat servers, pets versus cattle. Pets, they're dear to us. We don't want them killed. Like we can't replace them easily, but cattle, we kill them you know, all the time. We eat them and then we throw them away, whatever, right? So we don't care about them much, right? So, um, so the servers in the cloud are like cattle, right? So the traditionally servers were like pets, right? So that's the... The distinction um, that in cloud native, we assume the failure of node. Like actually that is the gist of the cloud native. Like those are loosely coupled applications where if a node goes away, it does not kill your application. Right. Because it has redundancy built through software or hardware, whatever mechanism we use on the back end, you shouldn't care. For example, Hadoop kind of stuff like that. Three copies of the data. If the one one um, uh, copy goes away and then it creates another copy. So you always have three copies of the data, for example. So it gives you that redundancy. You don't care about like a node failing. Uh, we have NLBs and we have clustering done that way that you don't, you're not in the fear of like, if I lose a server, my application goes down, right? So that is a cloud 
loosely coupled applications. But now, having said that, it's always a moving target, right? So what cloud native was like five years back, it's not that that's not the thing today, right? Hmm. So because when new technologies are injected all the time uh, into sort of cloud offerings, uh, and then we we keep shifting the cloud native sort of narrative, if you will. Another thing I will I will say is that uh, that cloud native shouldn't be seen as uh, public cloud native, right? It can be private cloud, right? It's hard to do. We know that capex versus opex, and there are some limitations on the technology side also. Having said that, public cloud is entering our private data centers now through Azure Stack and uh, uh, Outpost from Amazon and many other vendors are trying to do the similar thing. So that whatever you have in services you have in public cloud, you will have that soon in your data center. Uh, um, uh, Azure Stack has a bunch of core services in your data center now, what they provide you in Azure public cloud. And uh, and Outpost, Amazon Outpost has, I think, 13. They start with 13 or 13 to 15 services. Last year, actually, I I was talking them at AWS uh, reInvent in Las Vegas. Um, but how many services they have and what they're doing. And we know, actually, we know we can extrapolate where they're going with this, this right? They are coming to your data center gradually. They will um, take over kind of in a way and... And that's their plan. And they will also take a big chunk of edge. Um, I don't want to go to the edge talk here, but they will also serve a bigger part of the edge. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, and, and, and I'll, I think besides that, I, I know um, Steve is listening on the, on the, on the <laughs> side here. So uh, we will do, do a, we were doing a write up on this, I believe. So yeah. another thing is that the cloud native shouldn't be like done to with one cloud provider, regardless if it's in your data center or in the public cloud. So the cloud native shouldn't be um, AWS cloud native ideally, or um, it shouldn't be Azure cloud native or Google cloud cloud native, right? So the the goal always should be to keep the architecture pure enough that you can move from one cloud provider to another. That's, That's right. the hardest thing to do. Portability is very hard, right? We know that. Um, in the absence of portability, we most of the time settle for interoperability. So yeah. I'll stop there and. Uh, no, that's a good. These are all really good points, right? And so, just to kind of flesh out for some of our audience there who have been around for a while, you know, I remember back in '05 looking into open source technology and looking into service orientation. And we talked about the SOA, service-oriented architecture. And the whole idea back then was that you would have fine-grained services versus coarse-grained services. Coarse would be more complex. Fine is really small. And if you would do a comparison contrast to microservices architecture, which, of course, is Kubernetes, and service orientation, what did we miss in SOA that we've now realized and taken advantage of with microservices? I think that we were still doing heavy lifting in SOA world, right? Our messaging layers were uh, kind of, as compared to today, they were malnutritioned. They didn't have the, <laughs> seriously, they were like, we, we, wanted, to, we wanted to get the, um, you know, guaranteed delivery for our B2B exchange at Commerce One, it was like going through the hoops, right? Um, and, <laughs> and and then we we cooked up our in the absence of that, we cooked up our own enterprise services bus, which will yeah. keep the state of these uh, interactions between objects, right? They can be heterogeneous technologies. One is doing .NET, one service is using .NET, another one is using Java, and then you don't care, right? So that's the whole idea behind was behind ESB, right? Um, so it persists the state and all that stuff, and you don't lose objects and you don't lose the state. But that was very heavy lifting. So what happened with um, the uh, like when um, RESTful sort of standard took off 
people, everybody started doing it. And then we left the soap behind. Right. Right. You know? Right. Um, and soap was competing um, sort of a, a mechanism to rest API and rest took off and then everybody started doing rest. So our, our bottlenecks were messaging layer and not having a standard for integration. So I, I usually say when there's no standard, Actually, if there's more than one standard, that means there's no standard, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's, that's, that's the fact, right? But then, because always, these vendors always fight. Microsoft will come up with one standard. IBM will come from other side or, 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 or uh, like Oracle used to, right? Compete, competing standards, right? And they'll take sides and then... Like PL then, SQL, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and then, um, then the only standard we have is open source. I believe, which is open to everybody. So which is not, which is less religious. I call tech stacks religions, like you belong to that religion versus that. So, but, but open source is like more like atheists or whatever you call that. Like they, they don't care, you know, like what, what uh, religion you belong to. They just do the right. thing. Right? <laughs> right. So they, 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 they believe in uh, nature or whatever. <laughs> so, right. Right. Yeah, so it's not. It takes the thing takes natural course and and just spreads uh, across. I think open source uh, played a huge role in advent of microservices, um, uh, with technologies coming from Google and Hadoop came from Google and uh, Yahoo. So so Silicon Valley companies uh, gave away some of the IP of what they were doing in house to do. These modern, these um, no, no, modern thing. These, these uh, highly um, scalable systems, right? Yep, yep. The Kubernetes came from um, Google. They do, you know, four billion containers every two weeks or something like that, right? Right. So there's a way, like there's a way to tackle a problem, um, and when you're doing. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Let's uh, let's hold that breath as we go to commercial break here. But okay. I'm taking great notes here, Sarbjeet. He's giving us a clinic on cloud native and kind of how we got here and where we're going. And you heard what he said. They're coming for your data center. <laughs> I actually predicted this a while ago, so I'm glad to hear that. I feel smarter. We'll be right back. You're listening to Inside Analysis. This era of accelerated digital transformation brings new opportunities for growth and long-term business resiliency. On Wednesday, October 21st and Thursday, October 22nd, join us at the Dell Technologies World Digital Experience to hear from CEO and founder Michael Dell, featuring an exclusive TED Salon, interactive demos, and a special performance by the Black Pumas. Join your colleagues, peers, and a community of experts, partners, and customers from around the world at the Dell Technologies World Digital Experience. For more information or to register for the event, visit www.delltechnologiesworld.com. The event and registration is free, and you can sign up in less than 60 seconds. Don't miss out. What's the longest-running radio show in the world focused on data? DM Radio. Since 2008, we've interviewed hundreds of the brightest minds in the business world. Want to be a guest sometime? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. That's info at dmradio.biz. Harrison's Reality Check. Now there's an easy way to monitor for coronavirus at home in a moment. Matt Rush continues to build more of President Trump's border wall before his term ends. Mr. Trump's bypassed legal issues by gutting wildlife refuges and reshaping Native American lands under the name of national security. At the end, a partial wall, environmental damage, and a rich construction company, or 18, will be his legacy. Harrison's Reality Check. GoHarrison.com. Fever is a leading symptom of the coronavirus, so take your temperature twice a day with the Exergen Temporal Scanner. It's quick and easy to use, and its accuracy is backed by more than 80 clinical studies. Have your family start and end their day with the only home thermometer used and recommended by hospitals, doctors, and nurses. Your family can take their temperatures in seconds to know where they stand in the fight against COVID-19. Protect your family from the spread of this deadly disease and stay safe with Exergen. Informatica has been helping customers use their data to improve business outcomes for over 25 years. Due to the size, complexity, and distributed nature of data, the manual practices of the past can't keep up with the business needs of today. 
which is why Informatica has been leading the use of AI and machine learning to intelligently automate and scale data management activities. Automated curation helps organizations better use data to manage customer retention and loyalty, digital commerce, supply chain volatility, privacy and compliance, and operational efficiency and costs. Informatica has helped CDOs and data leaders from companies around the globe and across industries create and execute a data strategy that drives business outcomes and builds a strong data culture where every employee thinks about data as a strategic asset. Contact Informatica today. Harrison's Reality Check. Now there's an easy way to monitor for coronavirus at home in a moment. Matt Rush continues to build more of President Trump's border wall before his term ends. Mr. Trump's bypassed legal issues by gutting wildlife refuges and reshaping Native American lands under the name of national security. At the end, a partial wall, environmental damage, and a rich construction company, or 18, will be his legacy. Harrison's Reality Check. GoHarrison.com. Fever is a leading symptom of the coronavirus, so take your temperature twice a day with the Exergen Temporal Scanner. It's quick and easy to use, and its accuracy is backed by more than 80 clinical studies. Have your family start and end their day with the only home thermometer used and recommended by hospitals, doctors, and nurses. Your family can take their temperatures in seconds to know where they stand in the fight against COVID-19. Protect your family from the spread of this deadly disease and stay safe with Exergen. Welcome back to Inside Analysis. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Take us to the future. All right, folks, welcome back. Welcome back once again to Inside Analysis. We're talking all about cloud native. I love this whole concept. I just think it's fascinating. And uh, we're talking to a real expert, Sarbjeet Johal. He lives in the Valley. He's been working on this stuff for years and years and years. And uh, in the break, we were just chit-chatting about COVID and how COVID has given opportunities that we would not have had otherwise. And uh, Sarbjeet joked to give it gave us permission to be scrappy, so just to bang stuff out quickly uh, because you can, because people accept sort of half-baked solutions in a time of desperation. But I'm reminded, Sarbjeet, of a great uh, Russian proverb that says, there is nothing more permanent than a temporary solution. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think, and that is that is so true. We we talk about, uh, we were uh, a couple of days about ba- days back. We were talking about the ghost application, and that's how the application comes ghost. We we take something on, and we think we're going to use it temporarily, and then that, that becomes, you know, a staple. It, we can't live without it, and then we never pay that technical debt. It was a huge discussion on technical debt, like about. Six, seven of us, um, maybe ten people, um, on and off. We talked uh, for an hour about that, like how we are accumulating legacy and how we can't move fast um, in certain cases, and and how not having the end of life, um, end of sport policies uh, for software are biting us back. So yeah. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Nice. Well, I mean, we saw that just to, to give a consumer analogy, we saw that with that, what was it, the WannaCry um, virus that took the world by storm. And it turns out it's because people were on Windows XP that had not been supported and it was supposed to be gone. But it's guess what? It's still there. Okay. So, you know, you used to do these audits. You'd get audits. Of course, Oracle is famous for this, coming and doing audits saying, okay, are you guys paying enough for your licenses? And you know, I mean, that's one also whole interesting angle on what's been changing here. Maybe it's worthy of, of some quick discussion about cloud, right? Because the big vendors would get these huge big box um, deals with CapEx. And, you, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you'd pay $20 million to get an enterprise data warehouse stood up. It would take two years. You can't do that anymore. So now they're just spending, spending them up in Snowflake or Redshift or some other place like that. But there are some long-term costs and some things that we just didn't really expect, right? I mean, egress, I think, is one of the, the uh, well-known tactics that cloud vendors have. Say, oh, bring your data in. You can store it you know, cheaply. But then if you want to take it out, take it somewhere else, that's when they start tagging you with things. I mean, how, how do you keep on top of all these trends as a consultant, as someone who advises people? You know, how do you stay on top of these things, and how do you let that knowledge shape what you suggest to people? Yeah, I think it it's um, it it's it's a always a moving target, or it's always like you're refactoring code. You know, and technically speaking, I'm a coder at heart, but like you're refactoring your architecture, you're refactoring your spend at the same time. So um, you have to keep evaluating what new technologies are out there, what you can take advantage of, or what um, uh, new technologies are there, which you have to be be a little sort of careful about, like you may end up uh, in an in a unknown place, if you will, from the economics point of view, mainly. Um, because even even if it's a bad technology, if it's technically bad solution for you, that impacts your economics. Even if it's good, but it's expensive, then even in that case, it will, will hurt you, right? So it's always, it's never the price. It's the price uh, per performance, you know, that's always the name of the game, right? So that's what I sort of coach the customers on, like price per performance, but not only the price. Sometimes free stuff is more expensive than mm-hmm. paid ones, right? We know that. Yeah, when push that. comes to shove, you wind up spending so much money on development and time and resource. I mean, a lot of this does have to do with what you can sell internally to your stakeholders, what you can get them to agree to do. Right. I mean, that's one of the biggest challenges, it seems to me. But I guess in terms of some advice for our audience out there, for people driving down the highway or sitting at home trying to get some work done, maybe uh, to me that you have to start your cloud journey somewhere and you want to be exploring what's going on out there. I think depending upon the size of your organization or, you know, how compute intensive your workloads are. You know, maybe you have a team of two or a team of five, a team of 10, whatever, but just, just staying on top of what the individual cloud vendors do, to me, that's a full-time job, right? Uh, it is a full-time job, but like it's like any other thing, actually. Even if they were not the CSPs, cloud ser- uh, service providers, there would be somebody else, right? Even in the old paradigm, old world, like we had technology providers, and the new stuff is always coming down the pike, right? So you have to do like more, more of a, a um, conscious technology consumption, what I usually call it, like like mm-hmm. to stay fit, like not to get fat, us mm-hmm. humans, right, mm-hmm. individually, like we, we do conscious consumption of food, right? 
So that's the difference between when people can control their weight versus people who can is mm-hmm. the, mainly the 70, 80% of the food intake. It's the same way on the technology side. So we have to do conscious consumption of technology, cloud or not, right? Mm-hmm. So we were not doing much cloud earlier, but now earlier, but now we are. So if you actually see under the hood more, like I, I believe that that uh, the 80% of the cloud spend goes to 20% of services kind of thing on Amazon or Azure, you, you take any cloud provider. Um, there's few core services like people are using, but then they have like other hundreds of services at Amazon, for example, or Azure. And Google has uh, quite a few also, right? They're kind of building it as we speak. So like the poly services and all these like AI kind of stuff, like you, you will use it when you really need it. Right, so you can do experimentation. Actually, cloud is the best fit for experimentation. I um, actually, I'm going to go into a tangent a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. It like I divide the the systems in an enterprise into three categories: systems of record, systems of differentiation. Some people call it systems of engagement, second tier, and the third tier is systems of innovation. Cloud is, public cloud is the best fit for systems of innovation where you need to do experimentation very fast, right? For systems of record, if you already have those in place for existing enterprises, uh, you are better off keeping those where they are, most of them, right? Not all. Um, I'll tell you why, not all. Uh, but then, then you will move them into SaaS later. You will start consuming software as a service. So cloud is overloaded term. We all know that, right? It includes platform as a service, software as a service, and infrastructure as a service. When I normally talk about cloud, I usually refer to it as infrastructure as a service and platform as a service. SaaS is also cloud, but like we usually put that at this, to the side when we talk about the, these kind of in these kind of discussions, right? But I think we have to keep that in mind that the infrastructure you're consuming today for systems of record, you, you will end up, you know, throwing that away. You should, I believe, because systems of record are, are like everybody has the same system of record, right? It doesn't differentiate Ford from Chrysler or, or you know, Tesla from Chrysler. They, they all have P&L. They all have, you know, basic stuff. In the middle, the systems of differentiation are the supply chain management and CRM kind of applications, right? Where you differentiate from your competitor. Ford is different than Chrysler, for example, right? They're the same vertical, but they do things differently. They engineer their floor, the robots, to build the cars differently, right? So that's where you can use a lot of platform as a service and, uh, and infrastructure as a service also at the same time, right? But, but for the systems of innovation, you must, I think, you must use cloud because by the time you bring in the servers and rack and stack and run the wires, your competitor has gone, you know, built the solution, right? right so you right. will lose like eight to 10 weeks just to do that basic stuff. And in eight to 10 weeks, you can you can go pretty far, especially in the Microsoft microservices world. You can start spitting out new functionality on that and all that. Um, especially in the COVID sort of situation, tying it back to what, what you started with. Like, as I said, the COVID gives us the permission to be scrappy, mm-hmm. right? So we are willing to accept certain little, like not fully baked solutions from our technology providers. I think um, people are taking advantage of that, advantage of that, and they should, um, because we need um, we, we need to ship food to people's homes, like people. Right. Who, who, people who never thought they will do it or the telemedicine and stuff like that. Like, uh, like we never knew that we will be doing 100%, almost like 90% telemedicine, right? So it's hard, very hard to go and do, to see your doctor in person these days. They they will say, I don't stay home. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, you reminded me of something else too, which is architecture, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have data architects, we have systems architects. It seems to me, these are the ideal people to tackle your strategy around hybrid cloud, around multi-cloud, because the better you understand your architecture, the better off you're going to be, first of all, but also the more dynamically you can provision 
your systems, the better off you'll be in terms of agility, right? The, the last thing you want is a, is a big hard-coded stack that only a handful of people understand. But where are we on that interesting curve? And, and kind of what I'm referring to here is, like, there are some really, really cool technologies I've come across that in, in this sort of next generation of information systems that aren't trying to be the sort of be-all, end-all in and of themselves, but what they're trying to do is help you see across different systems. Like there's a company, Salonis, that's doing very well out of Germany. They started off with process mining, and now they're going in, they're kind of expanding upon that. But what's so interesting about them is they allow you to see into systems like ERP, systems like SAP, and they, they track the data footprints and then show you what the sort of de facto business process looks like. And then you can write back and change things. And to me, that's like the holy grail in terms of a, of a business process analyst, because hitherto, that person would find some optimization, but then would have to go lobby people to change things to make it happen. And that's always a bit of a, of a challenge. So I, I see one of the new really cool trends coming along are these technologies that can scan your environment and see what you have, like data catalogs do this to see where you've got PII potentially. Yeah. Um, security technologies like ExtraHop will do this for security purposes. But they're doing the same thing in that they're looking across your environment and giving you some depiction of what's out there, which I think is just fascinating. But what do you think about all that? Yeah, I think we need that. It's, it's, it's a fascinating world. Actually, I used to do that work at EMC, uh, writing fingerprints to identify what is running on which servers, like giving you the blueprint of your data center, right? right. And right. also the number of transactions flowing through nodes. Like we used to have these arrows, like point from server A to server B, it can be VM or physical servers. And then the thickness of the, that arrow showed like if it's like a lot of data is going through, a lot of traffic going through or, or less, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think, I think, uh, this this is a tragedy of uh, of um, our industry that we hop onto the latest stuff, latest and greatest, and then we just don't look back and then <laughs> fix things, right? right. So like, we got to keep actually um, a close eye on our running systems, which are especially making money in our systems. Or I could, they help us make money system of differentiation or systems of uh, engagement. They are the two core uh, categories which make us money, right? And we, I think... Uh, I think we we have done a poor job of running heuristics or uh, audits on those systems and find out how what what can we do better. Um, having said that, I will divide applications. Um, um, hold on one second, sorry. That's okay. No worries. Um, um, these, yeah. So, the, like at high level, we have to un- understand the, the the difference between greenfield, right? and the existing systems. When you're talking about the greenfield, we have a lot of telemetry built into the newer breed of applications. The Even the the framework we use to build these applications, they have that that those APIs built in for us to monitor the usage of, right. usage of that and know the data volumes going through and all that stuff. But on the on the existing applications, it's a little, little tedious to to monitor. But we need the tools like that on the on the newer breed, and and also like we can retrofit some old stuff with some newer sort of paradigms. What I call policy based computing, right? So we are gradually inching towards um, policy based computing, policy based storage, right? For example, you see how many categories of S three buckets are there? Five or six, I think. Six categories. Like you will pay less in the glacier, for example, if you need the data every six months, why will you put the data which you want to access frequently, right? So there are like five, six categories, and then you can save a lot of money by by attaching a policy to the data, right? So we will we will be also able to attach the policy to the compute also. Like mm-hmm. with this compute sits there, that compute sits there. Uh, like we need faster compute, slower, like based on yes. the policies and same with the networks for security reasons. So yeah, no, that's a really, that's a really good point. Let's pick that up in the next segment because uh, I just did a webinar last week, at, in fact, on policy-based enforcement of PII, of access. I think you're exactly right that policy-based 
services are going to be the key to managing the complexity going forward because it's just too complex otherwise. You just can't do it that way. But folks, don't touch that dial. We're talking to Sarvjeet Johal. We'll be right back. You are listening to Inside Analysis. Hi, this is Lou Manfredini. This House Smarts Home Improvement Minute is brought to you by my friends at Ace Hardware. A strip screw can turn a 10-minute fix into a two-hour nightmare. One of the best investments a DIYer can make is a screw extraction kit. Comes with three different size bits and costs about $20. One side of the extractor bit reams a hole into the screw, and the other side has reverse threads that dig into the screw as you turn it out. For more information, go to housemartsradio.com. And now this. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. This Thanksgiving, think outside the oven and get Thanks Grilling with Ace. Get a new grill and choose from top brands like Traeger, Weber, and Big Green Egg to add even more flavor to your Thanksgiving turkey, side dishes, and desserts. Plus, right now, get free assembly and delivery on all grills and accessories $3.99 and up. For the best help on the best grills, stop by your local Ace and get Thanks Grilling. Ace rewards members only through December 24th. See participating stores for scheduling or exclusions. This is Ricky Rubio. Point. Local restaurants have always been a cornerstone of the community, keeping customers well-fed, happy, and treating them like family. Now we're stepping up to help keep your family safe with CleanU, the cleaner menu. CleanU is a turnkey, touch-free menu solution built to totally transform the in-person experience for customers and business owners alike. With a variety of products like table stickers, table tents, and even drink coasters, you definitely won't miss printing thousands of paper menus or sanitizing plastic ones. We believe that a simple QR code just isn't enough. With CleanU's dynamic menu codes, each scan is time-triggered, so your customers are seeing the correct menu at the right time. No more broken links, blurry images, or prime rib orders at noon. Plus, collect data and analytics from your in-person customers using CleanU's live dashboard. To top it off, CleanU is affordable with packages starting at just $50. Check it out now at CleanU.com and see why people are making the choice to go touch-free with CleanU. Again, visit CleanU.com. That's C-L-E-N-U.com to get started today and keep your friends and family safe with CleanU, the cleaner menu. Every year, 4.5 million young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 visit the ER. It's every parent's nightmare. Umergency gives you all the tools you need to quickly and effectively manage your family's emergency. Umergency provides instant access to vital resources customized to your student's campus and local community, digital consent form, and built-in urgent alert button. Umergency gives you peace of mind when you need it most. Download your Umergency app now. Welcome back to Inside Analysis. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on Inside Analysis, talking all about the cloud, cloud computing. Yeah, is that just someone else's computer? Yeah, well, kind of. It's a whole bunch of computers. But the question really boils down to how they interact with each other. We've been talking to Sarbjeet Johal, a real expert on the space. And uh, I think you were joking in the break there, Sarbjeet, that this segment you're going to take a more of a Mike Pence approach. Is that right? <laughs> yes. I will, I will let you ask the question and then we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> okay. So uh, what does cloud native really mean? Thanks for that question, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that's what a VP said. I don't have any fly on my head, guys. No, you don't. I would let you know if you did. Just so you yeah. Know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, seriously, I will take that approach. I want to. I want to. I want to talk about two two concepts which I'm preaching out there all the time. Like I'm two terms I'm trying to like familiarize people with. Mm-hmm. The one is the feature proximity. The other one is skills gravity. Right. So my goal is to coach the consumers of technology to keep these couple of things in mind, the patterns I've seen in just 25 years of working. The skills gravity, the concept of skills gravity is um, that we have a number of people working inside an enterprise, right? They know a certain stack, right? So they know certain technology. They can be .NET people like we always, when we walk into a shop, right, I, I did a lot of pre-sales at all these companies I worked with, and we will say, like, what kind of shop? It? Like, we've got to know what kind of shop it is. Is it a Microsoft shop? Is it you know, like Red Stack, Blue Stack, Oracle shop? Like, what, what kind of languages they use? What kind of systems they use? Like, what, what kind of databases they have? So we, we really try to understand that persona. So the 
the the skills gravity actually is, is is a key concept for consuming newer technology which is coming down the pike right so if you are a, a microsoft shop like you have a lot of uh, you know office products and or you, a lot of vb developers and all that stuff you will naturally gravitate towards azure cloud for example right and 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 if you're more inclined towards like all open source kind of shop, right, then it's like AWS, for example, right? I'm just giving you a high level sort of, sort of. Yeah, right. So skills gravity actually dictates what technology you will consume. Do not fight the skills gravity. Do not fight your, fight your developers. Do not fight your practitioners because they will flee. If you <laughs> pick, if you pick something which is not um, widely accepted out there, uh, let me backtrack a little bit. So there's an inherent conflict between developers and operators in every company in this context. We are talking about high tech, right? So every company is a high tech company, we call it. Every company has developers these days. Every company has systems running, right? So developers want to be on the cutting edge all the time. I was a developer. I'm still a developer, but I'm like mature developer means like I can say, okay, the new technology, new technology comes on the pike, bleeding edge. I don't have to hop onto it right now. But most of the developers are like, you know, 35 or lower or 40 or lower. After they hit 40, they become something else. Like, <laughs> like seriously, right. they do. Like I'm a uh, tech lead or, um, you know, they, they take different roles, right? They stop coding. So most of the younger people, they hop on the latest technology for many reasons. And I always say developers are developers for a reason. They want to play with the latest technology. So keep that in mind. Like, how you will leverage your workforce, right? So that's a skills gravity sort of little discussion there. Um, and the feature proximity is like when you are using a particular set of technologies from a particular vendor, if you need another feature, let's say you need better messaging, like, right? Or better redundancy or better database, faster database, or your caching mechanism. So you are looking for that feature, you your goal should be to look for that feature from the existing vendors, like which is already in your vendor list, not from another, like just for one feature, don't go to somebody else because it's so easy to do the vendor sprawl thing, right? Right. And especially these days, right? Because things are more as a service, right? So do not just take on more and more technologies before you retire the old ones. So make keep in mind the feature proximity, right? sort of concept. And on the flip side, when I talk about skills gravity, I, I usually, when I guide the technology providers or cloud service providers, I usually say that uh, to outcompete your competition, right, you have to out-educate the market, mm-hmm. right? Because how do you skills get injected into this, into enterprises? It's like education, right? So, so these vendors have to educate the the consumer base about their technologies so so that they can sell more of it or they can sort of push their technology to the forefront. I think Amazon did a great job of that. Microsoft did a great job of that in 90s, the late 80s and 90s, most of the 90s. The VB was number one language, remember that? Mm-hmm. So And then they reaped the benefit of that, right? So they were, they were very close to developers. The most Right now, I believe the most close to developer company is Amazon. Mm-hmm. Their proximity to developers is very attractive, very good, I think. So and that's my Mike Pence moment. Like I wanted to talk about these two, <laughs> two things, and I did. So now you can shoot your questions at me. No, this is I love this concept, skills gravity, right? We've talked about how data has gravity. But you bring up a really interesting concept here of skills gravity. And, you know, part of that is just knowing your people, right? Knowing your culture, knowing who's in the organization. I mean, this is a job in and of itself to be the person who understands what kind of shop are we? What is the center of gravity around our skills, et cetera? And to your point, you don't want to uh, change horses midstream or you don't want to, you know, force in some new technology if you're not going to get buy-in from the users. And I also like this uh, tension you, you mentioned between developers and operators. I often say this, there's a very similar tension between sales and marketing, right? Because marketing has to deliver up the message and get the leads into the door, and then the sales has to close the leads. So you're always going to have a tension, meaning the salespeople are going to say, I want more leads or better leads. The marketing people are going to say, well, you just have to sell better, you know, something like that. But at the end of the day, we're all a team. And maybe let's kind of close on this 
I hope that the what we're seeing here is going to help mitigate the classic IT business divide. I think it is starting to fade somewhat because of the role of developers, because of the role of cloud. Uh, it seems to me it's not just two sides anymore. It's now multiple sides who all have to sit at the table together. And I think that in and of itself is helping us kind of break that old pattern of IT competing with the business. But what do you think, Sarbji? Yeah, if you, if you notice, actually, the the micro-segmentation of technology stacks, like means like we went from ERP monolithic to like what I usually call the low-code, no-code is the new ERP, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, that was ERP, right? ERP let us uh, create screens and flows and all that stuff. Like that was low-code, no-code of back back in the day but now we have new way of doing things so with all these new sort of breed of technologies microservices local no code all that stuff right and then on the infrastructure side we are also miniaturizing that we talked about that in the beginning of this session so the the discussion has gone from it relying on it to lob taking control line of business so a lot of a lot of uh, spend on tech has shifted to LOB, line of business, right? So uh, marketing will spend their own dollars, right? Finance will spend their own dollars, and then sales will spend their own dollars on the technologies they like because technology is being given to you as a service, as a as a solution, independent solution. So I think um, you're you're spot on. Uh, we we have been shifting these dollars from IT to LOB, and it has impact on all 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 sort of uh, mechanisms of the, the way we produce stuff as techno- technology companies, the way we market it, the way we sell it. And uh, on, the, on the note, when you said, like, there's a conflict between sales and marketing. Yes, I know that for sure, because I, <laughs> I used to be in pre-sales. And then uh, we will say, like, okay, guys, we need to we need to do this POC for this, you know, new product with this customer. You were just trying to make this, like, $10 million sale. And the sales people say, Shut the f up, you know, because you cannot introduce anything new. While I'm almost, I'm almost closing a deal. If you bring in some new talk about new technology, it's going to derail my sale. Mm-hmm. So there's always conflict between different sort of uh, stakeholders um, within a company. Um, yeah, yeah, that's creative tension is good. Creative tension is good. Yeah, well, that's right. And so, and I'll let, I'll close with one comment, and we'll definitely get Sarjeet back on the show because he's just fun to talk to and is so knowledgeable. But you reminded me of where I kind of got this idea and it was this concept of tension. And the point was that too much tension is bad. That's when the system breaks and people quit. Not enough tension is also bad because that way there's, there's no activity. There's no, um, there's no movement forward. Tension enables movement. And it also, I think triggers awareness about things. You know, if there's a tension, if you know that, okay, I have to get there, then you're driven, right? And there are a lot of people who are self-motivators these days, so that's good. I mean, that's the good thing. And I think that uh, as cloud native matures and more people understand what it really means, we're going to get past a lot of these other hurdles too. But uh, so much more to talk about, Sarbjeet. We'll get you back soon. Folks, don't touch that dial. Uh, Or actually, now you can, I guess. The show is over. I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Inside Analysis. Thanks, Sarbjeet. Every year, 4.5 million young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 visit the ER. It's every parent's nightmare. Emergency gives you all the tools you need to quickly and effectively manage your family's emergency. Emergency provides instant access to vital resources customized to your student's campus and local community, digital consent form, and built-in urgent alert button. Emergency gives you peace of mind when you need it most. Download your Emergency app now. This is Ricky Rubio, point guard for the Phoenix Suns. And I'm Holly Robinson-Pete, actor and along with Ricky, ambassador for Delivering Jobs. We know that a job is empowering and instills confidence. Yet 81% of adults with developmental differences don't have a paid job, even though companies that employ people with differences report better morale and higher productivity. There are 6.5 million people in the U.S. with an intellectual or developmental difference such as autism. And now, 
thanks to Autism Speaks, Best Buddies, the Holly Rod Foundation, and Special Olympics, there has never been more opportunity to improve hiring practices and build a more inclusive workforce. Join me. Hi, this is Lou Manfredini. Tired this- of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us if you want Viagra at the lowest prices. Never pay $15 a pill for Pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 800-357-1583 today to save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 800-357-1583 to take your call now. Call 800-357-1583. That's 800-357-1583. Again, 800-357-1583. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292FQ Riverside, and K293CF Moreno Valley. The following program on KCAA is pre-recorded. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.